Thank you for joining me for our third, our last Wednesday Advent service this year. Our order of service tonight is again in our bulletins. We're going to open right now with hymn number 354 in the new hymnal, hymn number 55 in the old hymnal, the red hymnal. O come all ye faithful. O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. God from true God and light from light eternal, born of a virgin to earth he comes. Only begotten Son of God the Father, adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Sing, choirs of angels, sing in exaltation. Sing, all ye citizens of heaven above. Glory to God, all glory in the highest. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Yea, Lord, we greet thee. Born this happy morning, Jesus, to thee be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Like the shepherds, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. 
scripture reading tonight is from Luke chapter 1, verses 57 to 80, where we hear about the birth of John the Baptist and then Zechariah's song following that birth. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, and salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him, all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give the people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. Let's sing our next hymn. Hymn number 324, O Lord, how shall I meet you? Hymn number 19 in the Red Book. O Lord, how shall I meet you? How welcome you arrived! Your people long to greet you, my hope, my heart's delight. O Jesus, let your word be a lamp to light my way, to show me how to please you, to guide me every day. Love caused your incarnation, love brought you down to me. Your thirst for my salvation, proclaim my liberty. 
O love beyond all telling that led you to embrace, in love all love excelling our lost and fallen race. Rejoice then, you sad hearted, who sit in deepest gloom, who mourn or joys departed, and tremble at your doom. Despair not, he is near you, he's standing at the door. Who best can help and cheer you, and bids you weep no more? Since death that dreadful burden, let not your souls distress. Your guilt the Lord will pardon, and cover by his grace. He comes for you procuring the peace of sin forgive, his children thus securing eternal life in heaven. He comes to judge the nations, a terror to his foes, a light of consolation and blessed hope to those who love the Lord's appearing. O glorious sun now come, send forth your beams most cheering, and guide us safely home. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Amen. The word of God we want to consider for our final Ad Wednesday Advent service is from Luke chapter 3, verses 7 to 18, where Luke was inspired to write, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, the man with two tunics should share with him who has none and the one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. 
but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow worshipers of the Christ child, if you were expecting a friend that you hadn't seen for a good while and he was coming to visit you, how would you prepare to meet that friend if you had to go to the airport to pick that person up? Well, really, depending on the relationship with, that you had with that person, you might spend a little bit of time or a lot of time preparing to meet that friend. And, oh, maybe a couple of examples if you were a young lady and the friend that you were meeting at the airport was your, was your boyfriend, you might spend a whole lot of time preparing for his arrival. And then, of course, there's if it was a guy going to see his girl, well, maybe it might be a little bit different. He might just hop into the car without ever even thinking about it. If you were a young couple and you were expecting his or her parents to come for a visit, you might spend weeks or even months preparing your home to get it ready for the parents to show up and spend some time with you. As I said, it kind of depends on your relationship. In, in the Advent season, we think of Christ coming into this world first as a baby, and then we also think about his return to this world to take believers home to heaven. And as we think about, well, celebrating Christmas, and as we think about also looking ahead to his second coming, how are we preparing for, well, the celebration of Christmas? How are we preparing for the Lord's return on the last day? Or maybe we could think of the song we just sang, Oh Lord, how shall we meet you? Or think of the words that the people in our reading for today asked John the Baptist, what should we do? What should we do as we are preparing, well, for the Lord? Oh Lord, how shall I meet you? Oh Lord, how shall we meet you? Well, our reading, it answers those questions for us by encouraging us to let the gospel bring forth fruit and, and then to let those fruits be evident in our everyday lives. And then finally also to let us give all glory to God as we're doing this. Oh, so many people went out into the desert to see and to hear John the Baptist. He was definitely a unique individual, maybe you'd say weird individual. He wore garments made of camel hair. He ate 
locust, grasshoppers, and, and wild honey. He did that, and maybe people might have thought of him as if he was a little bit of a circus act, and they went out to see him for some a little bit of entertainment. At least some of them might have come out. And see, that's why John said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? His words here are really primarily directed at those who refuse to confess their sinfulness or, or to change their self-righteous ways. Such people John calls a brood of vipers or snakes and, well, their spiritual father. That's the poisonous snake that went after Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden. John said, Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. So many of the Jews tragically were depending on their ancestry, on, on their history, the fact that they were the Israelites, the Jewish people. But that's really ridiculous to depend on your ancestry. Our parents or our grandparents or our great-grandparents, they can't save us. Now, of course, we have to be so very thankful if we had parents or grandparents or other relatives that brought us up in the faith and encouraged us to live in the faith. But we're saved. We can look forward to heaven, not because of them, but we're saved only when God in his grace and mercy is working and ruling in our hearts. John the Baptist said, the ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. When he says here the ax is already at the root of the trees, that's a picture of God's judgment. And in that picture, of course, we are the trees and if we're believers, we'll be repentant, and that means we'll confess our sins, we'll be sorry for them, we'll look to Jesus for forgiveness and trust in that forgiveness, and then also look to the Holy Spirit for his help to fight against the sin that's in our lives. And that means that our tree will be producing fruit. But where there, that is not the case, then God's punishment upon sin will surely follow if there's that continued unrepentance, rejecting of God. The tree without fruit will be chopped down and burned, he says. And the Jews, well, they experienced that judgment about 40 years after that, after this, when, when Jerusalem was destroyed. And likewise, it is the case that everyone who rejects God's grace will suffer the eternal fires of hell. And now John's warning here is something that is so sharp and so severe. And the fact is, is that the, when the message of God's grace and love, when this fails to touch the heart of a person, when it's rejected by that person, then 
the law's message of judgment upon sin must be proclaimed. It must be proclaimed and the purpose of proclaiming God's judgment is to strike fear in the hearts of those who aren't confessing their sins, who are trusting in their own righteousness, who are rejecting God. It's speaking harshly to them to hopefully get them to stop and realize their lost condition without Christ. And see, it's through the gospel's power alone that the Holy Spirit works true faith. And what the gospel does is it turns the sinner to the only Savior, to Jesus, through whom we can escape God's judgment. A heart which is turned, changed for the better to, by repentance will bring forth, he says here, fruit in keeping with repentance. Deeds of kindness, love, and humility will flow from such a person's heart, from the believer's heart. In the heart where the Holy Spirit is dwelling. Believers don't want to be like the Pharisees who boast in, in human things such as, well, race or high position in society, faith of ancestors, Abraham reputation, and other such things. Rather, we'll want to put our trust solely in God, the one who has the power to change lifeless stones, as scripture describes unbelievers, or, or a brood of vipers, how John describes unbelievers, into God's spiritual children and into heirs of heaven. And remember, each of us, before we were called to faith, we were those lifeless stones. We were part of that brood of vipers, but God has graciously turned us into his believing children. Among those who did hear John preach that day, there were those who had their troubled consciences. And they were mainly the common people, not the religious leaders. Like the jailer of Philippi, they asked that question, what should we do? Those common people asked, what should we do? And John here gives simple, direct answers. He told them what it means to to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And he did this with examples from everyday life to show that what is producing fruit in keeping with repentance. He said, share, give to the needy. That was his directive to all people. He said, the man with two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. To the tax collectors, he said, don't be dishonest in your dealings. And to the soldiers, he said, don't use your power to get bribes. Each person in his place in life has his own temptations to deal with and to stand firm against the temptations that we show in our life, face in our lives, that's a good test of the repentance 
the spirit of repentance that's in our lives. And, and again, remember that we can only stand firm. We can only have these lives of repentance with God's help, of course. He has to be the one at work in our hearts. And throughout our lives, what we'll want to do always is look at God's law. And as we look at God's law, then we're going to look at ourselves and then ask ourselves, is God going to be pleased with the things that I am about to or thinking about doing? Are my actions, are they motivated by my love for God and, and by my love for my fellow man? When in faith we keep asking those questions of ourselves, then fruits of faith will be a part of our everyday lives. And when we'd fail, when we do things that afterward we'd recognize are not pleasing to God or are not showing love to God and our fellow man, isn't it wonderful to know that we believers have a gracious, loving, and forgiving God who wants to forgive us? Well, John, he preached with such power out there in the wilderness that many people thought he might be the Christ. The Christ, that means the promised one, the one promised to Adam and Eve and uh, Abraham and to uh, David and Isaiah and all those Old Testament believers. They wondered if he was that promised one. And John answered that question by making a public announcement to all of them. He pointed to the one more powerful than himself who would soon come, the Messiah, Jesus Christ himself. John declares, he says, he's not even fit to tie the laces in the sandals of Jesus, on Jesus' feet. He was, not per, he was not fit to perform the lowliest job of a, of a slave or servant for the sake of this great one. And John also points out the difference, the great difference between his own power and the power of the coming one, the coming Messiah. John said, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John baptized with water, but the Holy, but Jesus, he would baptize with the Holy Spirit. He would pour the Holy Spirit out directly. And now, this isn't saying anything that John and Jesus' baptism, if John baptized, if Jesus baptized, that there was any difference there, but there was a difference, of course. John baptized in the name of Jesus. Jesus baptized in his own name. He baptized. John doesn't say that his baptism would be without the Spirit's power, but here John is pointing to what would happen on the day of Pentecost when Jesus, our victorious and exalted Lord, when he would pour out his Holy Spirit on those first disciples in a most wonderful way. John, he baptized with water as a servant, carrying out his master's order. The orders, the 
master was Christ himself. And John's reference here, when he talks about baptizing with fire in connection to the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, that's sometimes been interpreted as referring to a, a purifying fire, how fire on a precious metal would burn off impurities, for example. But the, Holy, but the New Testament, it never really refers to fire in connection with baptism or judgment. The tongues of fire on the disciples' heads, that was a visible sign of the Holy Spirit, of his presence and a manifestation of, of God's grace, a picture of the flames and zeal of Christian love. John then describes the Messiah's power by pointing to him as the judge of all things. John said of Jesus, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. In those days, a farmer would thresh his grain by having his oxen step on the grain of the threshing floor and after the oxen had stepped on the grain then the farmer would fork away the loose straw and then after that the farmer used a large shovel or a basket to toss the grain mixed with the chaff and when he would toss it up in the air what would happen is that the wind would blow away the chaff, the worthless part, and to the ground would fall the wheat. The wheat was saved, the chaff thrown away. The wind blew that chaff aside. Thus the Messiah also would separate the wheat from the chaff, the believers from unbelievers in the judgment. And that judgment of God, it will be thorough. It will become public and final on the last day when he will, as he says, gather the wheat into his barns and he'll also burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. We and all believers will enter eternal life in heaven and it's going to be absolutely great and absolutely wonderful. Unbelievers, though, will suffer eternal punishment in hell because the fate of every individual for eternity at the time of death or judgment day is, is final because it's final. It's so important for us and all believers to, to give all glory to God in our lives as John did, to recognize it's not me, it's not you, it's all about Jesus. It's all about what he and his grace and mercy has done for us that means that you and I can look forward to eternal life in heaven. We want God then also to use us to bring more and more souls to, to him and to his word. Our reading says, and with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. See, it's only through the preaching of the gospel, the, 
the power of God's word that souls are brought to faith in Christ and to eternal life. And isn't that a blessing that we want to share with, with absolutely everyone? May God help us to let the light of the gospel shine in our lives so that we are always giving all glory to God and, and the Holy Spirit can work through us to reach more and more souls. Through his message, John the Baptist is encouraging us to live lives of repentance. When we think of that question, what should we do? Well, in faith, live lives of repentance. We'll want to ask God for his help to live as God wants us to live, but how do we measure up to what God wants us to do? Obviously, since we're sinners, we can't be perfect as God wants us to be. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But when in faith we keep looking to God's word, keep turning to and using God's word, then we're always going to be better and better equipped, empowered to live as God wants us to live. But there's the key, being close to God and his word. What should we do? Be close to God and his word. Let that word keep working on your heart so that there are fruits of faith in your everyday life. And, and it's the word of God that's going to produce those fruits and, and it's going to motivate us to give all glory to God. So again, what should we do? Well, may God's grace and love so fill our hearts and lives that we want to spend our whole lives preparing to meet our Savior, who one day will take you and me and all believers to be with them forever in heaven. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the second article and its meaning. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. He has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. All this he did that I should be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence and blessedness, just as he has risen from death and lives and rules eternally 
This is most certainly true. Let's pray. Stir up our hearts, O Lord, and come among us with great might, and because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy, mercy speedily help and deliver us. Keep working on our hearts so that we always want to live lives of repentance, confessing our sin, being sorry for those sins, looking to Jesus for forgiveness and knowing that wonderful forgiveness, and then also looking to the Holy Spirit for help to live as your believing children. Please keep on working on our hearts. Please keep on giving us a desire to be close to you, dear Jesus, and your word, so we're always built up and strengthened in our faith in you. And we gather up all of the prayers we have as we, as we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Again, I thank you for joining me for our final Wednesday Advent service. A reminder on the weekend, well, of course, we have our regular Sunday morning schedule. We have a 6.30 Christmas Eve children's candlelight service. We have a Christmas Day song service at, at 9.30 a.m. Hope you can join us for that. Uh, also, the reminder that Diane Kennedy's mother called to her eternal home last Thursday and her funeral service up at Brown City at Carmen Funeral Home will be Thursday tomorrow at 12 o'clock noon visitation an hour beforehand beginning about 11 o'clock. I think those are the announcements I have for you right now. Again, thank you for joining me today. The Lord bless and keep you always.